0: Welcome to Gen Z Hoops, the Gen Z basketball coaching and sports business show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Phyllis.
1: Jason, what's going on? All right. Good to see you, John.
0: Good to see you, too. definitely a lot of fun having you on, having met you before at Xavier Camp. But of course, right now, now we're really formally maybe meeting each other over Zoom in the in this setting right for the show, which is definitely a lot of fun. But you've definitely done some really cool things in the, in the basketball world, definitely, especially in New York City, right? Many, who many would call the mecca of basketball. So it's definitely fun having you on to kind of shed some light on all that.
1: Yes. And, and great to see it come full circle from uh, speaking at the camps at uh, Xavier and now uh, being able to be on your podcast.
0: So if you could uh, bring us back to maybe where, where it all started, maybe that your passion for basketball, I would imagine it was it was well before college, but then right leading into a great college career, leading leading your, your college in, in assists, maybe and having the, the basketball behind you. Uh, for our listeners that can watch, or that aren't listening, that can actually see the background that you have. I mean, tell us a little about maybe what that looked like, maybe on the playing side of you growing up and falling in love with the game.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like a lot of inner city kids, you know, I grew up playing basketball at a young age. You know, actually my first Favorite sport was really baseball, but I, you know, I was always playing basketball, you know, I mean, literally from the time I was born there's baby pictures with me in the ball with the ball in my hand and the house that I grew up in, uh, in Richmond Hill, Queens, we had a, a basket in the backyard. So I was always, you know, shooting on the back, you know, the, the, the rim was low when I was a little kid. And as I got older, the rim became regulation, you know, so I've always been a hoop junkie you know, played CYO basketball. So the first team I ever played on, I was in the fifth grade and I played at St. Mary's Gate of Heaven, which actually wasn't my parish. I went to St. Teresa of Avila in South Ozone Park, but at that time, my school didn't even have a CYO team. So I wound up playing for St. Mary's Gate of Heaven uh, for two years, fifth and sixth grade. Then in seventh grade, I actually played for my school team. And then in eighth grade, I wound up playing for Christ the King Elementary School. So, you know, I was big into AAU and then I played in a lot of, you know, summer league tournaments. You know, Craig Keys, who's still uh, a very influential youth basketball coach, was one of my primary youth coaches growing up. And then uh, I wound up going to Archbishop Malloy High School. And, and high school was difficult for me because I just had a, a lot going on, uh, you know, just personally, which was affecting, you know, me academically. So I bounced around a lot. And attended five different high schools in five years and and wasn't really able to to really gain my footing and have any type of of academic success until my senior year of high school where I went away to boarding school at Cheshire Academy in Connecticut and that's really where uh, you know my life turned around and, and I wound up graduating there with second honors and getting a a four-year scholarship to play Division II basketball at St. Michael's College in Vermont. And it was just a great setup for me there, you know, almost, you know, being able to be like a big fish in a small pond, you know, not not that I was a great player, but it was just, it was just a great fit for me. And, uh, you know, wound up graduating there as the school's all-time assist leader. And, uh, you know, a few other records. I know that, you know, I was top one or two in, in um, all-time three-point field goal percentage. And, Top one or two in career, free throw percentage, top three in steals. You know, I was able to get inducted into the college's uh, Athletic Hall of Fame in 2009. And, and, um, and, you know, I mean, it was just, just a great playing opportunity. So, I mean, that, that's probably, you know, everything from, from youth through college.
0: What I took most from that was that, of course, right, you have all these records and you explain that at the end. But at the beginning, right? the first thing you spoke about was the fit that you had with the school. And I'm, I'm, I imagine big out of basketball. It's a big thing you, you stress your players. that You have all these guys that are saying, I want to go D1. I want to go to this school. I want to go to this big, this big school. And, and they're looking at it for the name or for whatever other reason. I mean, what how important is it in, from what you've seen over the last uh, few decades of watching these players go on to play at, at certain schools? That uh, how important is fit in, in that whole process?
1: Yeah, I mean, fit is very important. And, and I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, being smart about, you know, making your decision, you know, and, and one of the things I always tell players is to strive to play division one, you know, I mean, that, that should be the goal. I mean, shoot, the goal should be, you know, try to play the trying to play in the NBA, like, like, you want to set the bar high, you want to be great, you want to be the best that you can be. Um, And if you're able to make the NBA, if you're able to make division one, even if you're able to get a college scholarship or you wind up playing division three, you know, the, the, the goal is to really set the bar high. But at the end of the day, I think it's important not to be so unrealistic that you turn down opportunities that can be good for you when you wind up chasing a dream but then you might miss opportunities along the way you know so for me the way that I wound up at St. Michael's you know was that you know I wanted to go division 1 and St. Michael's quite honestly was actually you know so I had schools uh, in terms of division 1 interests, but the reality was nobody offered me a scholarship you know and even when you talk about recruiting you know uh, a lot of people don't understand that just because you're being recruited by a school doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna offer you a scholarship, you know? So I was being recruited by division one schools and St. Michael's college was the only division two school that offered me a scholarship, you know? So, you know, I I really, you know, was trying to weigh, do I want to wait and try to see if I might get an offer from some of these division one schools or do I wanna take the sure thing? And I think, you know, again, for me, for my own personal experience, because I really just been bouncing around a lot, you know, from high school, I was even at a place psychologically where I was just tired of running around. I was tired of of transferring. I was tired of getting kicked out of schools. Like I was tired of even having instability. And that's part of what led to my reason as far as like going to St. Michael's and even staying there, because even as I, you know, in the early part of my my career, I had opportunities to transfer. But, you know, again, because of my background and my own personal experience, I didn't want to go through the, you know, the same transfer and all this stuff that I've been doing in high school. So that's why I just said it wound up being a great fit for me. But that's, you know, things that, you know, I recommend to parents and players all the time is again, you know, strive for the best, but at the end of the day, you know, I advise, but it's up to them because some people might say, look, you know, I'd rather go JUCO and try to go division one than to just take this scholarship. But I just try to advise and, and, and allow people to understand the significance of all the pros and cons and allowing them to make their own decisions. But for me. You know, taking that Division two scholarship was was the best thing I could have ever done.
0: I love hearing that. It's something. It's funny. Coach McGrain says it all the time. To I hear him talk about it to seniors all the time. Is go to a school that if basketball maybe wasn't an option, like let something like what we just saw with COVID, you'd still enjoy going to school there. Make sure it's it's the right fit and all that stuff. And it, it's right. It, it's important to to make keep those lessons in. And maybe right after school, you 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 still kind of pursued that passion for basketball. Maybe if it wasn't even on the if it wasn't on the court. Um, I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about stuff like being a video editor, uh, commentating, and some of the things you do right after school and after like like. A video is a big thing that I do, but watching what you did for WNBC and those are the news stations, what were you really doing in that to kind of keep yourself still involved in, in, in the game?
1: Yeah. So those opportunities really just fell in my lap. I was a broadcast journalism major in school. So, you know, I, I knew that I enjoyed the television, the radio, the, the media, the talking, the opportunities to be around the game. But You know, like a lot of college seniors, I was unsure about my future, you know, from the time that I graduated, you know, I didn't have a job. So, you know, I'm just sending out resumes, you know, hoping to get a job, first of all, you know, so what wound up happening was my first job out of college wound up being with the New York State Department of Labor, which had nothing to do with anything of, of interest of mine. And I was really able to get plugged in with that because my father was working for the New York State Department of Labor. So I did that job for six months. And ironically, my job for the, at the New York State Department of Labor was to actually help people get jobs. So while I was there working for the New York State Department of Labor, I was actually using the database, looking for jobs for myself, you know? So through a relationship, and actually I'm sure you can know you with Bill Raftery, who's a, uh, who's, a, you know, who's one of the top sports commentators and analysts out. So his daughter and I wound up going to Cheshire Academy together. So I got a chance to know him through my relationship with his daughter. And actually, when I first got out of school, he used to have a sports broadcasting camp at Montclair State. So I remember he actually called me on the 4th of July of 1995, right after I got out of college. And he invited me to attend this sports broadcasting camp for free. You know, he told me he'd cover All I had to do is just get out there to Montclair State. And he he basically gave me a scholarship, put me up in the dorm. And then from that experience, I was able to meet a gentleman by the name of Bob Wolf, who was a legendary sports commentator. And through that connection, uh, Bob helped me get my first television job uh, with a company called New Sport. Which was uh, owned and operated by Cablevision. And, uh, and that was like my first opportunity getting involved in sports television. So this was like the spring of, of 96. So I had almost been out of college for about nine or ten months before I got my first job. And, and you know, you know, my job was a logger at that time, which what I would do is I'd go to work, I'd watch all the professional games, I'd take notes on everything that happened. And then I'd give it to the editors and the editors would I, um, edit highlights for our sports show. And then I, I then I graduated to becoming an editor. And then I wound up getting a job at News 12 Long Island editing. And then next thing you know, I got a job at New York One News and then NBA Entertainment and CNN and, and WNBC and WABC. And, and it was great. And then uh, the other thing that happened is right after I got out of school in 95 and 96, the University of Vermont, which was about five minutes from where I went to college, offered me an opportunity to be their color commentator for their road games. So again, now I'm only one year out of college. And my first game I'm doing for the University of Vermont was at Marist College, so I travel with their men's team, I did all of their road games, with the exception of games in like New Hampshire and Maine, but everything from Boston down to Maryland so you know I I did that for about 10 years just gaining a lot of experience. And then that, that, you know, and, and then that that was kind of like how I operated, you know, I did full time video editing work and then during the college basketball season, I would travel and cover games and it was just a great space to be in in terms of transitioning from a college student athlete where I'm still involved in sports. I'm still around the game. I get to talk. I'm getting paid for it. You know, I I get to travel. I'm meeting all these great people. And then I was getting better, you know, in terms of my overall skill set. So it was just like, you know, it was like a young guy's dream. You know, they they always say that college is, is the best four years of your life. But I remember that when I graduated and had these opportunities and I moved back to New York City, I said, oh, no, 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 no. These four years after college are, are, are my best four years right now. I'm looking forward to the.
0: I still have a year to get to those last four years of college, uh four years after college, but I'll, I'll make sure to, to
1: enjoy them once I get there. Yeah, you don't have to study and you're making money.
0: <laughs> I, I'll take hey, it. I'll take hey, it. Hey,
1: and for me, I had my own apartment, so I was just like, "Oh man, like this is heaven." <laughs> definitely sounds like a lot
0: of fun and, and you're doing and the biggest thing though is that you're doing what you love in, in doing basketball right that's it's just, even if it's not maybe the the main thing that you're doing it's still the, the context of it's what you're watching it's what you're being a part of um, and i'm curious right because the training's been a big thing what you're doing now is that was that always what you're doing from, from the start did it take some time for you while broadcasting to get into everything when it comes to training and and, and being around players
1: Yep. So the way that started was uh, with Big Apple basketball. So again, just to kind of give you a time frame, I graduated college in 95. I started working in the industry in 96. And then in 1998, I got involved playing on a pro touring team. It was called the DC Explorers. And what that was, was we travel around and play different colleges and then we'd get paid to play. So The colleges would pay DC explorers, DC explorers would pay us as far as players. And uh, I did that for one year in 98. And then, you know, began to think like, man, like, you know, I can do this. So in 99, I created Big Apple Basketball. And what Big Apple Basketball first started out was was a pro touring team where it was myself and a lot of my friends who had played at UConn and, you know, in the Atlantic 10. And and I had a couple of former NBA players. Uh, I created a team based upon my network of friends and we travel around and play division one schools. And the way that I came up with the name Big Apple Basketball was because I knew that we were gonna be traveling and I wanted a name that really uh, signified where we from, where we were from. So I knew no matter where we travel, if we said we're, the name of our program and name of our team is Big Apple Basketball, people would automatically know we, no, we were from New York City. And what happened was that turned into me creating additional programs around Big Apple basketball. So then it branched off from just being a touring team to begin doing basketball training and workouts to helping players get overseas jobs. So when I first started my, my, my real training and everything I was doing Big Apple basketball in the beginning, it was really essentially just for pro players. And then what I began to do around 2003 was start to build out programs for high school players and younger kids and you know what I, you know, and then then the model, I just kinda took the same model that I was doing with the pro and overseas players and started doing with, with younger players
0: funny so I, I didn't mention this too earlier but when i was 11 years old one of my first introductions to basketball of course maybe it was with the local cyo or, or greek league teams but also i would big out basketball my mother had one of her co-workers recommended to her in the city and i was like one of the first things i ever gone to and i was like well, okay well, wow, like maybe maybe i'm into this basketball thing and it took a few more years after that for me to really fall in love with it but that was maybe one of my first introductions to it it's great it's amazing how not just maybe i don't even know that it was maybe outside of new york city right you're you're, you're traveling with the team and people are like oh big out basketball and that's another way for people to kind of be around the game and to, and to appreciate it so that, that's that's really really cool thinking about that um, so and you, and you mentioned how it's kind of grown to it is now it's started off as a travel team and it's it's evolved into you're doing all these all these clinics and, and things like that i mean what, what i thought was really cool maybe is the inclusion with things like the nba has also evolved with the g league and the junior nba and, and obviously you winning junior nba coach of the year how has big apple basketball maybe grown to be incorporated with so many other programs and, and can and continue growing
1: yeah i mean that's just been a true blessing and you know i'm a firm believer that when you do things with with a good motive and proper intention, that opportunities will attract themselves to you. And I think, you know, it's good to go out and seek things, but I think that people also notice good people and they notice quality work. So, you know, with each of those two things, with the junior NBA coach of the year, you know, never in my wildest dreams did, you know, I begin to start coaching kids to think about, getting an award or getting my own personal satisfaction you know everything that i did you know was about trying to help players get exposure for college scholarships i mean it was like literally that simple you know to try to create different programs and different events and try to use my gift through the game of black basketball to try to impart as much wisdom to people to really try to help catapult them into their lifelong dreams you know so with that you know the 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 junior nba experience was just something where you know i got nominated by people who you know local people who have been involved with me who've just you know been appreciative of the work that I've done and helping them and then you know through the nomination you know next thing you know every couple of weeks I'm getting a call back hey Jason you know you're one of the you know your junior Knicks coach of the year hey Jason you know you're a semi-finalist for the junior NBA coach of the year hey Jason you're a finalist hey Jason we want to interview you hey uh, Jason we're going to fly you out to Chicago and then I'm sitting there hey Next thing you know, hey, Jason, you know, you're the junior NBA coach of the year. It's just like stuff was just moving, you know, and then, you know, being able to just, you know, be involved with the junior Knicks has just been amazing. But again, you know, I think that, you know, people who are in certain positions is almost very similar to what I do, you know, like I've been blessed to be able to have these people, you know, help me in the same fashion that I've created Big Apple Basketball to help others.
0: It's incredible, right? How it all kind of comes full circle where you're helping other, you, you, you've kind of given so much to where now it's, it's all coming full circle and you've built that huge network in basketball and looking at your LinkedIn, right? Which is how maybe we first got in, in touch, even though meeting Xavier from, in, from before, I noticed that the word consultants on there 13 times when I, when I commend that, the word consultants on there a lot. And it's obviously because you have this wide network where people, right? You're, you're maybe the bridge between whether it's big out basketball and so many other things or the junior MBA and so many other things. I mean, what does that role as a consultant in the basketball world really mean?
1: Um, I mean, exactly what you just said. And, and and again, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about my role with Big Apple basketball is that we and myself are just a basketball resource for any and everything. So when people say to me, well, you know, what do you do? You know, what, what do you do nine to five when you're not doing your events and, and you're not doing training? And I, I, the, the best way to describe it would almost be like, I'm a basketball 311 operator. Where the 311 operator, every time you pick up the phone, you have no idea what the other person on the other end is going to ask. But it's your job to point them in the right direction, whether they're trying to find out, do I have to pay the parking meter today? Or, how do I get here? I mean, it could be the most random things. And that's literally how my phone rings every day. How I get emails is literally any and everything from professional basketball to low level basketball. It can be, you know, an NBA team coming into New York City, they're playing the Knicks, and all of a sudden, my phone is ringing. The garden isn't available. Our hotel is here. Can you help us find a place to practice in two hours? This is, this is how I'm a resource to, you know, it can be somebody calling, you know, my child, you know, can you help us find the boarding school to, you know, something where, you know, there's a kid who just got out of prison and the only thing that this kid gravitates gravitates to is basketball. Can can you talk to this kid to try to help them and get them on the right track? To, you know, to helping parents who are going through their own things and need help. Now, navig- I mean, literally, it could be you know a parent calling. I'm I'm going and, and, and you sit there and it's almost like a, a um a, 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 um what, what do they call it uh, like like a therapist. I'm going through this divorce with my with 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 my significant other. I have my child. I need help, and then the other, and then like you you wind up listening to their marital problems, really trying to figure out a way to help the kid through. I mean, that's what I said. I mean, it's it's, it's literally any and everything, all things basketball, and then sometimes because we're the name Big Apple, I get random calls like you know people will call me and think that you know. I'll say Big Apple Basketball and they say, oh, th- this isn't Big Apple Bagels? No, this is Big Apple Basketball, you know, uh, yeah. I, uh, sometimes people will call me, uh, Big Apple Basketball? Oh, uh, uh, How many elephants are you gonna have? And I'm like, what? Oh, this isn't Big Apple Circus? No, this is Big Apple Basketball. <laughs> so now, then, then I get like, again, I mean, every day, anything with the word Big Apple, my phone is ringing. So it says, I mean, some of it is funny, but you kind of get a sense of what I talk about, like literally. You know, that, that is my job to be a resource. And, 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 and it's beyond New York City, you know, like right before I was talking to you, you know, I was on the phone with parents in Dallas, Texas. I'm on the phone with international people. You know, I mean, it's just literally any and everything, all things basketball.
0: I, I love that because on all is- levels,
1: at, you know, on all levels as well.
0: Oh, so cool. Right. And, and thinking about just how your, your life kind of both revolves around the game. And it's obviously something that you're passionate about, but also that everyone looks at you and goes, okay, that's like, that's the guy, right? That, that's the basketball guy. Whatever you want to put in in front of it, that's that's the guy we have to go to. Basketball problem? Jason's the man. So that's got to be super cool. And and kind of being that three on one is just a funny thing to think about, but also cool. Whether it's USA Basketball, uh, the TBT, right? All these different things that look at you for for the answers on, on all things basketball. That's that's definitely a really awesome to think about. And I do have one last question that Coach McGreen made sure I had to ask you. What are the what's the most free throws you've ever made in a row? One
1: hundred and thirty-two
0: that that at a camp, a clinic, where, where, where did that happen? No,
1: so, um, you know what? That's a great question. So I still work out regularly, but it started when I was in college. So whenever I work out, and especially when I was in college, I'd always finish my workout. Well, you know what? Throughout every drill that I did, I could never advance to the next drill until I made 10 free throws in a row. So that was how I did. You know, I do a drill, Make 10 free throws in a row, go to the next drill, do a drill. So if I made nine and I missed, I go, I had to stay at the line as long as until I made 10 in a row. But then what I would do is I would always finish my workout by having to make 10 in a row. The only difference is, is that at the end of the workout, once I made 10 in a row, then I just shoot until I missed. To just see whatever I could make. And um, you know, it, you know, I get to 50, you know, it was like, oh, let me just keep going. And sometimes i literally be rebounding my, my by myself. Sometimes I'd have other people. But when I made 132, as you say that, I was actually at my school and it was a basketball camp that I was working. And it was kind of like during lunchtime, and I started shooting free throws, and then by Yeah, I'd made so many that lunch was over and kids were coming back in. But, you know, I'd probably say I've I've made over 100 free throws, you know, 15, 20 times in my life. You know, and then I've probably, you know, made 99 and missed probably about another five or six times. But yeah, but but my personal high was 132. That's awesome, and obviously remembering you making free
0: throws at the Xavier camp, we couldn't exactly remember how many it was. It definitely was a lot, though, and maybe getting some of us to try and, and
1: yes, some some yeah.
0: failed, some some kind of got it. Yeah. So it was definitely fun. I feel like about that, that
1: day, I probably got into the 70. I feel like matter of fact, so- I think I think it was exactly 70. I think I made 70 and missed.
0: Must be right, and then definitely everyone's sitting there hoping. You're, everyone's cheering, screaming in your air, yes, waiting for yes, you to yes, so yes, finally yes, miss one. Yes. But definitely, just fun, fun thing about all that. I mean, how to, the fact that we're talking about that and it happened all the you know before COVID, all you know a couple of years ago. It's it's crazy thing about how it all comes full circle now. We're we're on a show together, and, and and obviously can't wait to have you back maybe for a camp in the coming years or whenever whenever that's able to all open up. So I mean, overall, I mean, just looking at your whole basketball story, kind of you know being the three one one number for so many people, and obviously all the great stuff you do with Big of basketball. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and, and jason I really want to thank you for coming on. This was, this was a great conversation and I I personally learned it because it's, it's, it's awesome talking to someone who's, whose life revolves around the game and who just personifies
1: it the way you do. No, I appreciate it because uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to even be considered, you know, to be on your show. I think you do a great job. I don't even want to say you have a bright future because I just feel like, you know, with what you're doing with this and then your coaching, you know, you, you kind of remind me of me. Like, you know, you're taking advantage of so many different opportunities around the game that you're not even just pigeonholing yourself. And, you know, I can tell you you have a lot of talent. You know, you, you, you've done your research, your questions are good. You know, you're still in college at Baruch, you're still coaching. So, I mean, it's, it's beautiful to even see you in this space. And I appreciate you even thinking of me. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops.
0: Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.